if you have an idea, it's basically, it's coming through you. And if you're one of those people that you know you have this inspired idea, you have to take it to action. And the more you're in motion, the more it will make sense. Hey, I'm Jade Ellison, a multi-passionate creative based out of New York City who's obsessed with personal development and anything business from marketing, branding, creating online programs to launches and helping you step into your true self so that you can share your gifts with the world. Gain insights with manifesting, creating life on purpose and get ready to elevate yourself in ways that will surprise even you. Included in your weekly dose of inspiration, get ready to be entertained, uplifted, and encouraged to take action with simple and easy to apply tips, tools, and strategies that fit into your busy daily life, sprinkled with some woo-woo along the way. From embracing your confidence to mastering success habits, setting achievable goals, and ways to harness positive mindsets and beliefs so that you can kick self-doubt and your inner critic to the curb where they belong. Whatever's on the topic call sheet, I'll help you navigate the raw, messy, and sometimes hilarious truths of achieving success, abundance, and happiness, all while encouraging you to become the best version of yourself. So think of me as your go-to girlfriend, talking over some coffee, getting real, and giving you some amazing advice to go from hot mess to thriving success. This is the Uber Savvy Life and Biz Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Uber Savvy Life and Biz Podcast, where together we'll unlock your true potential to design the life and business of your dreams. I'm your host, Jade Ellison, and today we have the most incredible thought leader who I am so lucky to be in her world, Patty Aubrey. Patty has been publishing books since 1993 with their first book written in 1989 with over 14 books of her own, all New York Times bestsellers including Permission Granted, which is also a program for women entrepreneurs to show up, speak up, and to be seen. Patty, it is incredible to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me. It's good to see you. It's so good to see you. Before jumping into this episode, if you want weekly inspiration and would like to stay updated when I have incredible guests like Patty, Check out jadeellison.com and sign up for the VIP Insider List, where you'll get access to your Empowered Morning Mindset Checklist, a completely free download that you'll get just by signing up, which will give you your ultimate caffeine-free boost to supercharge your mornings for success. So, Patty, thank you, first of all, for coming to the show, because you have an incredibly packed schedule. So I feel very fortunate that you were able to take an afternoon off and not the whole afternoon, but jump into an episode to record, (laughs) imagine. So Patty, share with our incredible listeners some of your background, because I could share the story, but I feel like it's so much more impactful when you get to share your journey from starting off in the publishing world for Chicken Soup of the Soul, for selling billions of copies Billions of copies or was it 200 million copies? No, we sold about a half a billion copies in, but it it was a billion dollar brand because we did a lot of other things. That's incredible. Share that journey. I'd love to know when you met Jack, what you could share with our listeners that inspired you with getting into the publishing world in the first place and starting to write books. You know, it's interesting because I never set out to be in publishing. I was never an A student in English. I never thought I'd write a book. In fact, I didn't even think I, I didn't even want to learn to type. And my dad was a typist in the army and freaked out and said, you're taking typing. And so I did, thank God, 
because who knew that we were all going to need to learn how to type at some point with the way the world is today. But I went to college and then I got married for five minutes to my first husband. And I'd actually moved to Santa Barbara, which is where I currently live. But I moved back when I left him and moved in with my parents. I was probably 20, I don't know, 23 at the time. Got married way too young. So all of you listeners out there, don't get married at 23, okay? Just don't start there. That is young. That's like just starting life. Yeah. (laughs) it was. I sort of felt like I was in a Halloween costume. That was my first sign, you know, but I didn't know at the time to follow your intuition the way I do today. So um, do you remember your wedding dress? Was it like really outlandish? Oh, it was the big giant hair thing. And it was bad. I have to see pictures. Oh, my God. (laughs) It was bad. Anyway, so I came back to L.A. and I moved in with my parents and just started looking for a job. And the only way you could find a job then was to look in the L.A. Times. And we lived in L.A. And so I saw this ad that said secretary wanted 25000 a year. And I also said I will never be a secretary. Now, I've been working since I was 13. My dad was one of the guys that started Nature Made Vitamins. So I was working every summer, every weekend. I worked for the senior VP of operations. So I was pretty business savvy. Nice. And I definitely have to give kudos to him. I always say everybody should go to the Jerry Holly boot camp because he will teach you how to really work. So, but I thought I did have a goal. I wanted to make 25,000 a year at that time. And I had set that goal in June. In September, I see this ad and I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty quick because at the time I'm going from like 15,000 to really nothing because I'm not working. And so I answered the ad and it turned out it was Jack Canfield. And at the time he was teaching teachers how to facilitate self-esteem in the classroom. So we were mostly working with school systems and education. So I got there and kind of walked into the office and went, this is the most archaic thing I've ever seen coming from the tech world. Right. So, which I obviously am not in today because I wouldn't have had all these problems with my audio. So he just basically said, hey, I'm on the road for the next three weeks. I'll be back. And so it was the first time in my life that I'd ever felt free because I'm not the type of person that I'm not that structured. I didn't know what I was. I just knew I didn't want to be told what to do. And I didn't want to be that nine to five. And I didn't want to have to follow the norm. And So when I started working with him, it just opened up this whole new world of, wow, I can take all the stuff that he's got. It's terrible. And, you know, make all of his slides better where he didn't even have slides there, crayon kind of things on those old overhead things that you used in kindergarten, probably at your time. (laughs) Right. The things with like the clear paper and the the colored markers. Right, right, right. Pretty much. (laughs) So Anyway, he was gone for a while. So I looked at all the financials. I looked at what he was spending. I figured out how to create a whole system. I ordered Macs. I networked everything, new printer, exported all the old content, put it into new. He came home. I said, hey, listen, I'm going to be, you know, VP of operations. I'm no longer the secretary. And he said, okay, make yourself some cards. That's insane. Patty, hold Before we go on, are you, do you have any brothers or sisters? I have an older brother. And two younger sisters. Okay. Wow. And like you have such that leadership mentality. I was going to ask like if you were one of the older siblings or if you were the younger sibling, like where you took the reins. That's incredible. So he made you the VP of operations because you're like, I'm the VP of operations now. Pretty much. And we were literally working out of his house. It was this little condo and he was kind of a hippie. I mean, when I first took the job, my 
parents, my dad especially was so upset with me because he said, I didn't study to go to business school to work for a few choice words slash hippie. And I, I said, you know, the hippie went to Harvard. I think I'll probably learn something. If it doesn't work out, I'll come back and live with you. I mean, I think one of the biggest things is people get this idea, especially young people like, okay, I'm going to do this job. And I mean, today people jump from job to job as kids, but then it was like, you get into something and you do it. And it was, yeah, it was fine. It was a long drive. I drove about an hour and a half each way from my house to his house. Oh, no way. But I loved the freedom of it. And so I just started kind of creating things the way I wanted to do it. And then he came to the office one day and said, you know, I'm always out speaking and people are always asking me, do you have that story in a book? Mostly women. And he said, no, just buy my tapes from Nightingale Con at that site. And he had the little cassette tapes back in the day, which probably a lot of people don't even know what those are. Yes, yes. And so he said, I think we're supposed to put a book together. And I said, okay. And we just worked on it from 1989 and we finished it in probably 92. And then we decided, oh, well, let's go get a publisher. And it didn't work that way. Obviously, you had to have an agent. We found an agent. And this was the first Chicken Soup of the Soul? First Chicken Soup of the Soul book. And our agent actually gave us a book back and said, I can't sell it. Which in hindsight, like every thing that feels like it's horrible is all perfect because that would have been 15% of 500 million books. So I'm okay. We didn't have an agent. <laughs> That's in 500 million books. I'm not even sure any book has hit 500 million books since then. That's insane. Wow. Well, there was a lot of, it wasn't just in English. I mean, we had it in Chinese and Japanese and Spanish. I mean, we had foreign rights all over as well, but we also published Somewhere between 235 and 250 books within the period of 1993 to 2008, when we actually sold the brand to an investment banking guy that wanted to buy the brand and create what is now known as Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment. It has its own television channel and lots of other things. But we did a lot within that short amount of time. And it's kind of crazy when I think about I mean, I know what it's like to write one book. And for anybody listening, it's kind of like the Prozac experience, you know. It's like, it's great, it's bad. It's great, it's bad. What am I doing? And then <laughs> and then what I thought, because I was so naive, I had no idea. So we finished the first book. We finally turned it in. I am just excited. I have rewritten and edited this book six times, thinking I'm going crazy. And then Jack said, now we have to start marketing. And I said, well, what's that? I had no idea what marketing was. Oh, my God. Gosh. So you had to teach yourself that. We did. We did. But we went to every seminar. We read every book, you know, a thousand and one ways, real marketing, how to market your book. I mean, so we wrote down everything we interviewed. Jack interviewed every single bestselling author that he'd get a hold of and said, what did you do that was right? And what did you do that you regret? And so we got a lot of feedback. Those are great questions. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of nice to know like, okay, where are the bumps in the road? Where are they going to be? And so it was helpful. And then we spent the next, I don't know, how many years is that? 15 years marketing work. And every single book had a different marketing plan. No kidding. You couldn't like replicate anything that worked with the other book. You had to do a brand new. It's kind of like a book proposal, I guess. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we did radio. We did television. We ran ads. We did articles. We did syndicated columns. But for example, one of the books we did was Chicken Soup for the Traveler's Soul. And we had a huge tour bus nice. with a giant chicken with a backpack wrap around it with a little Ford behind it, two senior 
people that knew how to drive this giant rig. And then one of my authors going from New York to LA, stopping in every little city, then they would get in a little Ford. I don't remember, it was a little Ford truck and they drive around to all the bookstores or do talks. So I had them doing that. I had Marcy Shimoff doing Chicken Soup for the Women's Soul. I had Marty Becker, who was on Good Morning America, doing Chicken Soup for the Dog Lover and Pet Lover's Soul. So we kind of built this interesting army. Wow. You know, in the beginning, it was interesting because it's like, sometimes you, well, at least for me, I'm like, well, why should we split all this with other people? And Jack, being so nice, said, well, because, and I said, but we have all this operating expense. We can't just afford it give out half of everything we're making. It's like, oh no, we can. Turned out to be a blessing because we had an army of people. We could never have done it on our own. And in today's world, as we all know, we can't do pretty much anything on our own because there's way too many things coming at you. I mean, there's so much social media, there's so much technology. There's so many ways to put content out there in today's burn yourself out. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Not to mention the squirrels. Oh, okay. The ones in my head or just seriously. <laughs> so when you first started, like, were you good at visualization or the whole idea? Because I know that that's Jack's main basis is teaching law of attraction. He was one of the first modern teachers, I guess you could say. Would you say that you were really good at visualizing where you were headed or how you said you weren't much of a planner? You like that freedom. You were just kind of like going on intuition and navigating that way. Well, you know, so Mark Victor Hansen was part of our little pack. Yes. And he was just like this massive thinker, like kid, you know, visualizing is realizing, got to believe it to see it. I mean, he was nuts. And then there's Jack, who's like this teacher crossing every T, dotting every I, you know, very shy. And so I got sort of the best of both worlds, to be honest. Cool. I mean, and Mark would send me out like, hey, kid, go do this. And I mean, he had me doing crazy stuff, but I just believed him. So I did it. And I'm grateful to say because it really made me more of who I am. But we didn't really think too much about it failing because we were so far down the road. That wasn't an option. Right. And so we wrote on little stickies and we put them on this giant wall in our conference room, thousands of things that we could do. And each day we just took a few off and we did them. I love that. Whether it was call like, I don't know, Fred Pryor or Skill Path in the day and say, hey, we know you distribute books and you have some of Jack's tapes. Wouldn't you like to take this book and distribute it? And, you know, we got no, 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 no. And then finally the guy called me and said, oh my gosh, I read one of the stories. They're amazing. We'll take 5,000 a month. I'm like, yes, finally we can pay the overhead. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. My God, that's a brilliant idea, putting post-its on a wall and just grabbing something and working on it. I think that when anybody builds a brand, it could be really overwhelming with what to do next. So I love that kind of like free flow. This is what I'm going to work on today. That's brilliant. Well, and also we just knew that we have this thing called the rule of five, do five things a day to get you closer to your goal. But our real goal was to create a New York Times bestselling book so we could get higher speaking fees. That was the goal. It was no further than that. That was it. And our publisher called us and said, hey, there's one page in the back of the book. It's blank. Do you want to use it for something? And Jack brilliantly said, well, just say, if you have your own story, send it in. And so people started sending in stories and more stories and more stories. Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of stories in the mail came in over the years. That's insane. Is that how you were able to kind of like divide it up and see the different 
spinoffs for your books? Yes and no. So in the beginning, we had done the first book and Marcy Shimoff, who has written Happy for No Reason, and she's got the Year of Miracles course and does all kinds of things now. She trained with us early on and she was literally at a silence retreat for 10 days. And so I get this fax that says, hey, it's Marcy. I can't talk for 10 days. I need to talk to you and Jack at nine o'clock Pacific Standard Time Friday night. And so that's all you have is a phone and a fax. So we wait and she comes on and says, hey, great idea. Chicken soup for the women's soul. Brilliant. And I said, I don't know. I mean, women are buying our books. I don't know if that's a great idea. And Jack said, hold on. You know, this could be really good. He's like, Marcy, thanks for the idea. And she's like, no, 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 there's more to it. Last time I checked, you and Mark were both men. And so that was the beginning of bringing on co-authors. Thank God. Amazing. Yeah. I'm so grateful to her because if it wasn't for her, yeah, I would have done chicken soup two, three, four, you know, and, and so on. But I also at the time was in the middle of, I just had my son, my first son, who's now 28. And that was, you know, chicken soup just starts to take off. You find out you're pregnant. That is not great news when you have a husband who thinks you're going to stay home and raise children for a living. And I'm like, oh boy, we have a problem. Oh my gosh. So I'm at home and, you know, I only stayed home for like a week or two. I had him at Christmas. So I was off for Christmas break and then I was back to work. But when I was home, my husband came in and said, and he came home early and I'm nursing JT. And he said, hey, I've got good news and bad news. And I said, what's the bad news? He said, your mom has breast cancer. I'm like, okay, what could possibly be the good news? He said, well, they caught it in time. Like they couldn't even really see it on the ground. But my mom had this intuitive sense. Oh my God, thank God. That she said, I don't know what it is. I feel it, take it out. And it was cancer. So my sister had come to work for me for a while to help me with just these gazillions of stories that were coming and that we had to read every single one, which is not always a fun thing to do. And she said, why don't you do chicken soup for the surviving soul for mom? And we'll just collect stories of, you know, people that have survived and just to keep her motivated as she goes through radiation. And I said, and no one should ever say this, why would they ever let us write a book when we work here? Uh, And my sister said, are you kidding me? You have been living on top ramen for five years. You were here before the book was an idea. Like if you don't deserve it, I don't know who does. And so she convinced me over time. So I got Jack and Mark in a conference room and sat him down and I was scared to death. I mean, I was like, I could barely talk. And I spit out, you know, I want to do chicken soup for this thriving soul for my mom. And waiting for them to say no, they looked at each other and they said, that's a great idea. You should do it. Thank God. And the thing is, if I hadn't asked, they wouldn't have asked me. They would have just gone along with all these other people that were coming in because Suddenly when something goes big, then you have all of these people coming at you. So that's when it's time to say, okay, now we have to make a plan because if we don't get really like streamlined in what our vision is and make a plan and we start saying yes to the wrong people, our lives are going to be hectic. And they were for a while. We learned how to pick the right authors, how to create production schedules that worked for us. But when all those stories started coming in, it did start to show us who was reading tons of pet lover stories. Amazing. Tons of teenagers were writing. Wow. Which that makes sense, though, because I remember when the entire series came out and it was this very like uplifting, warm title, first of all. And then like the stories inside just completely resonate with our own lives and I mean, there was countless things that I've read that I couldn't even bring to my mind right now, but 
how many books did you have prior to presenting that particular one with your mom for the surviving soul? How many books were out by then? Chicken Soup, the first edition. I want to say a second serving in Women's Soul. So my book was the fourth one. And then that's insane. Yeah, it was crazy. And, you know, it wasn't one of the biggest sellers on the planet. I mean, it's so ridiculous. I probably sold, I don't know, maybe 500 to 800,000 books. And I was thinking, oh, it didn't hit the million mark right away. Come on. I mean, if I did that today, I would be jumping on the ceiling. Seriously. God, that's insane. I know. It was something new. It was a different genre. Nobody, the only people that had ever done anything like it really was Reader's Digest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was it. Yeah. But that was like, oh, grandma gets that because there's all these pharma, you know, advertisements in there. So but they had great stories. I found that out later because when I started looking for stories, they were one of the resources that I would go to. But yeah, that came out. And then as I was going through that book, I realized that people that had some faith in something were living longer and because they had a belief bigger than themselves. And so they had a more positive attitude. Mm -hmm. And I actually had Bernie Siegel write the introduction for that. He talked to me for a long time about the difference in attitude when someone gets sick and so forth. But as I went through it, I thought, maybe I should do chicken soup with a Christian soul. I mean, I went to Catholic school, I grew up Christian, and I'm getting all these stories. Like, that might be a good book to put together. And it was a very non-denominational book. Oh, cool. So great. Like one story of this little boy, that he's like four and his brother is like two and he comes out and he says, hey, can you tell me again what God looks like? I'm starting to forget. Or these two little boys, they're in trouble and they're in school and the principal calls in the first boy. And he's like, okay, Jimmy, where is God? And then he's like, where is God? And he's screaming at this kid and the kid comes running out, looks at his friend and goes, God's missing and they're trying to pin it on us. And it was just like out of the manger. It was something that they had for the holiday season or whatever. But so there was really light stories and then there was some pretty, you know, intense stories and there's funny stories. But the big thing is when we thought about writing a book for teenagers, our publisher said it'll never work. Teens don't read. They buy CDs and clothes. I have teenagers. I mean, I think we sold 12 million of those in the first couple of years. I mean, the teens, it was like a Bible for the teens. That's incredible. So sometimes, you know, we think things are going to go one way and they go in a totally different direction. Yeah. And it's important to be open to those directions and not always get too distracted. So there's that fine line of, okay, this is an opportunity or is this a distraction? That was a fine line. And at one point, in the end, we published, I think the last year we published 18 books in one year. There must have been a ton of co-authors for that because I don't even know how that's humanly possible. 18 books in one year. I mean, it's like a marathon to publish one book in a year. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Well, the thing too, I think Chicken Soup gave the whole publishing industry this like very blown up version of reality. Oh, I can write three books at a time. And the truth is, is we started that book in 1989 and got published in 93 and edited it six times. And we had readers and we knew it was good. And we read the stories out loud and they were being told on stage and people were coming up and saying things. So it was tested. And I think a lot of people think that they can just write a book that no one's going to see. And then they're on to their next book. And I have so many clients come to me and say, I need help, you know, with marketing or this, that. And I have these three different books. And like, well, there's something called the power of focus, you know, which you've done really well. Like you've taken your book, you've got your podcast, 
So it's like, how do you scale your message in different ways, but it's the same brand. And that's really how it built. But we sold in 2008 and then we looked at each other like, now what? It was an identity crisis, which was interesting. And I'd love to dive into that more in just a moment. I'm sure our listeners are really curious what it takes to build a billion dollar brand. Being that you said you liked kind of like that free form, I'm going to do this task and stick to it, the power of focus. I mean, did you even fathom that you would be selling chicken soup for the soul for a billion dollars? That's insane. No, no, of course not. I think the thing that we did was we identified really good co-authors. We surrounded ourselves with the right people. We got a licensing agent. We started syndicating columns, you know, newspapers and different things. We had a greeting card line. We signed a deal with a dog food line, which I thought was insane. Chicken soup, the dog lover sold, but it was a huge licensing deal. I remember that. Yeah, we were just like open to getting the right people around us. And at one point, and it was not too far in, my entertainment attorney called me in and said, I need to talk to you. And we weren't really friends. And I said, what is it? And he said, listen, you need help. And I said, what? I've sold 50 million bucks, you know, thinking I'm just all that. And he said, do you want to sell another 50 million? You need help. He said, Jack and Mark are great. They're great speakers. They're great teachers. But you cannot build this brand by yourself. You don't know what it takes. And so he said, I have this guy I want you to meet. And I said, okay. His name was Russ Kamalski. And I said, all right, I'll meet him at Starbucks or something. And Jack and I had this agreement. If you don't really like him, we don't have to bring him on. And my ego is just like totally bruised. I'm thinking I should be able to do everything because... If I don't do everything, I'm a woman, then I'm not enough. And then, you know, blah, 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 all that negative self-sabotaging conversation that all of us have in our head. And so I happened to be going over to my parents that evening and I said, they want me to hire this guy. And my dad said, well, who is it? And I said, it's this guy, Russ Kamalski. And he said, are you kidding me? Russ Kamalski from Kathy Smith, the exercise lady. And I said, yeah. He's like, Patty, he's the most amazing guy on the planet. I worked with him. We did licensing deals for vitamins because Nature Made Vitamins did licensing with Kathy Smith. Amazing. He said, if you get him, you will be so lucky. He's a genius and he's the nicest guy on the planet. And to this day, he is still like my acting CEO and has saved me on thousands of occasions because, you know, you get to a point where you don't know everything. And so you have to ask for help. You have to go out to people that have done things that you've never done before. I mean, we made a ton of mistakes, trust me, all along the way. The fact that we got to where we did was kind of a miracle, but it was a big deal for me to have to do that. But once I did it, and then once we sold chicken soup, I said, oh yeah, you're not going anywhere. It's like, no, no, I'm done now. I said, oh no, you're not. <laughs> so he's still around. Right, because I feel like you're so dedicated now, even more so with permission granted and your courses and the masterminds that you jointly do with Jack and your own personal masterminds. I mean, so he's still very active, Russ, mm -hmm. with working with both of you. Yeah. So he runs the Canfield Group, which I'm the president of. And I said, you take CEO. I'm over it. And also the time for me, I was in a place in my life where during the entire time that I was publishing books, I had so many requests saying, hey, we have 7,000 women, we want you to come and speak. And I always said, oh, I'm too busy. I'm the you know, president of Chicken Soup of the Soul because I was a chicken. I was afraid to get up and get on a stage. 
and talk because I was so, and be bold and speak your own truth. Well, and I was so young. I mean, it, my first book came out when I was like 30, 31. That's young. And I was always comparing myself to Jack and Mark and I'll never be like them. And how will I remember this? And I mean, I did book tours and I did TV stuff and some of it was scary, but I never really took advantage of all the other opportunities that I had. And so when my mom got sick, she said, my mom got sick again. So she was in remission. She died in 2012. And I'm sorry, I still wasn't really owning my voice that much. Mm -hmm. And she said, I didn't raise a daughter to be invisible. You need to speak up and be seen. You helped build this. You are one of the three musketeers and you need to take ownership of it and promise me that you will. And so when she passed away, I said, okay, I'm going to give myself permission. And I found myself too, Jade, I was getting angry mm. that people, like I would want to do something and I would wonder like, why isn't Jack asking me to come on stage? We're doing all these trainings, all these big things. Do I suck? I mean, does he think I'm horrible? And so I was getting kind of resentful. And when I finally said to him, you know, I want to do more of this. He's like, well, now you tell me, like, I'm not a mind reader. So here I was waiting for him to invite me in. And he probably was waiting for you to say something because you're the one who came to him and you're like, I'm going to be the VP of operations for your company. So I I, he was waiting for you to be like, I'm going to come on stage next weekend. I've been bossing around since I was 24. I don't know why at 40, I thought he should be a mind reader. You know, I'm like, he's like, hey, listen, if you ever find a mind reader, send him to me. I'll study him from head to toe. Like, seriously, you're this is a bad setup. And then, you know, but it was still hard. It was like, okay, it's his show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're doing a workshop. He's used to being the one. And he, you know, if you know Jack, he is somebody that wants to give you as much information as possible. And so there were times where he'd say like, I don't really have time to put you on stage. Maybe you should do your own thing. And so, and was that the turning point for you when you stepped away to do permission granted? I had done a couple women's retreats small ones. I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest. Like I was like flying by the seat of my pants. I didn't know how to create a curriculum, but I learned over time. And people still showed up, which is amazing. They did. They did. It was crazy. But I would bring in another facilitator that was a woman that knew more than I did in different areas. But at one point he said, you know, I think you should do some things on your own and, but don't leave, but just do some things that make you happy. And so I thought, okay. So I started a mastermind group and my first group brought in a quarter of a million dollars for a six month program. (laughs) And then he says, okay, maybe that's insane. How many women signed up for that? That was actually men and women. And I only accepted 10 people. It was 25,000 and I did a weekend. Brilliant. And then I did six months and then I did another weekend. Brilliant, brilliant. And so it was 10 people. And then I said, and if you want to bring your right hand person or a spouse, because there's nothing worse when you're in business with someone, because I knew this very well. When they came back from something all excited about all the things that you should do differently, you're like, wait a second, because it doesn't land the same, you know, coming secondhand. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So Jack would come home really excited about something and be like, I don't want to hear all about all that stuff that you learned. I've been over here putting out fires, dealing with crazy co-authors. So talk to me in the morning, whatever. Exactly. But it was a very successful training. And so that was really the time that I started to really own. I can do whatever I want to do and make it work. And was that literally called permission granted the mastermind or was that a separate program? It was just a separate program. It was just a mastermind group with Patty for, you know, six months. And because I'd always been the strategist, I was always 
strategically planning behind the scenes of the business. I always worked from looking at your numbers. What do you want your outcome to be? And then how do you back into it? That's my genius kind of thing. I look for things that are missing. So if there's something needed, I'll create it. If somebody has a problem, for me, it's an opportunity to help them find out how that's not an obstacle, it's actually an opportunity. And I had a lot of those with chicken soup because, you know, we were stumbling along. So my brain just started to, it just kind of went that way. So that's what I did for a long time. And I still do it. I still coach people one-on-one for their businesses and things like that. But mostly now my mission is to empower women. And I do that with permission granted. I do it with our nonprofit, which is called Goal Friends. Yes. And we actually are getting the number one rating in Virginia and the women's prison in Virginia. And they had the lowest recidivism rate. And so we're getting all these accolades and it took a year to have them test it, but it's been the number one program. So that is a big deal. I've been working on that for 11 years and it's finally doing something. But the cool part is these women that maybe didn't graduate high school they all have their own stories, but they're getting their PhD in goal setting, which is really cool. Cool. So that's been really empowering. But, you know, it was never easy. So anyone that's thinking about, I want to do something, you know, there's no failures in my mind. It's just discoveries. So if you try something that doesn't work, it doesn't mean you failed. It just means what's next. Try that, move on. The failure is not doing something that you know inside you desperately want to do and that you're dreaming about and you're afraid to tell anybody and you're afraid to say it out loud. And that happens for a lot of people, especially women, where they have these big dreams. But it's like, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and there's all this negative self-talk. And we all go through that. I feel like that's one of the things that I personally navigate through often with setting goals and going towards them and then questioning if I'm even doing it right. And I know a lot of my clients do have that same thought process, but now I'm starting to realize we all go through this. It's a very human thing that we all have our self-doubts, our insecurities, even hearing this from you, having created a billion dollar brand and like you're the most real down to earth, most incredible human beings that I have the privilege and fortitude to be in your space with. I mean, that's like super cool of you to open up and share that because I think that's what a lot of people and some of our listeners might not realize that when you're on your way to your journey to create something that's going to bring value to others, it's sometimes better to just go with your intuition. Actually, let me rephrase that. It's actually 100% better to just go with your intuition and follow your own gut when it comes to creating because Patty is living proof of that. That's the most brilliant way to live life. Do you feel like there was times that you wanted to throw your hands in the air? And if there was, like, what was the thing that kept you going? Oh, God. Wine. I don't know. (laughs) Just some wine. God. Yeah. I gave up the wine. Got too old for that. No, there was a lot of times I wanted to just throw my hands up. And, you know, there were times where Jack and I would have knock down drag out fights but the cool thing was is that seriously oh yeah I mean I would have an idea and he would like get defensive and I'm like I got this great idea he's like and I probably sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher to him like and so in my mind I'm thinking oh he thinks he has to do everything but every time I would go to a workshop and I'd really immerse myself and I would do the meditations and I would do the work I have these downloads 
And whether it was start an inner circle or do a subscription or create a certification around the success principles or start training trainers around the world, they were all downloads. And so I knew that if I got the right people to buy into it, which I'm not really good at sometimes. And I said to him at one point, like, why don't you just trust me? We've made all this money together. And he said, it's not that I don't trust you. Your brain goes so fast, you scare the hell out of the average person. So give me a couple of weeks to unpack this idea and I'll get back to you. And I said, why didn't we have that conversation 15 years ago? He's, I don't know. So, but the, here's a weird thing. This is really weird. And we share it sometimes, not always, not everybody knows this, but we work with this past lives woman. Cool. And so we were in one of our moments. We were not speaking to each other. We were coming home from a meeting where I'm not talking. He's not talking. Oh, no. And we get back to the office and she was meeting me in Santa Barbara to do this reading. And he said, maybe we should do it together. And I called her and she said, oh, no, 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 this is all about you. So we go into this reading and she said, okay, so you and Jack have been married like a million times in your past lives. You've killed each other, stabbed each other, hung each other, beheaded each other, all these different things. This lifetime is all about the two of you figuring out because you have so much to do together to change the world. But she said, in your last life with him, and I, mind you, I had not told her anything. She said, in your last life with him, he was the wife and you were the husband. And I'm like, all right. And it's hard for me to follow because I'd never had a reading like this. And she said, and you kept wanting him to have more kids. And, and you kept saying, oh, come on, one more kid, one more kid. And so he being she, the wife at the time, right, 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 agreed. And then during that last birth, she, he, Jack, died in childbirth, mm. having the baby. And so she said, so because you killed him in your last life, basically you owe him in this lifetime because her belief is like, we go on and on and on. And when she said that, I literally stopped at my tracks. I said, hold on a second. And I ran across the pool area to his office. I said, you need to get over here. And he comes over walking slowly with his head down like that he's in trouble. And I said, what do you say every time I bring you a new idea? Say to Sandra what you say to me. And he said, what, you're killing me? And I said, uh-huh. Do you want to know why you say that? And then she went into this whole thing and did all this like cutting of the cords, weird woo-woo stuff. We have never, ever had an argument since that day about any new project. Are you freaking kidding me? Swear to God, I'm not kidding. It's not. Patty, you have to give me the name of this person. She's amazing. And it was just one of those things. But yeah, I mean, almost every project that I've ever really wanted to do, I've always gotten pushback. But I just don't give in. And so I say, well, if it was possible, what would it look like? And if I don't get the buy-in, I go out and find other people that have the skill sets that I need to get the buy-in. And then once it starts to work, I'll get other people enrolled. I'm still not great at that, but I don't give up easily. So so my intuition is my life. I say if I had Jack's brain and my gut, I'd be president if I hadn't done a few bad things in my day. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, my God. And that takes us to the middle of our episode. If you love having incredible thought leaders like Patty on the show, if you could share this with three friends that you feel could benefit from this episode and also give it five stars on the podcast listening app because it will help get in front of more like-minded listeners like yourself. Patty, I am loving our conversations. That last one where you jumped into the past lives, you were bringing up a lot for me personally that just kind of like, ties into what I personally go through with my hubby. He has said to me 
thousands of times. He's like, you go a thousand miles a minute, like the Roadrunner, which is a cartoon from like the 80s or 90s or something. He says, like, you just have to give me time to think about it. And I always thought it was just him. But now I realize, like, maybe that's kind of a dynamic between two souls, like how you gone through that with Jack and that you hear the phrase a lot, masculine, feminine. And I'm curious if it has anything to do with that. But that was such a cool story. Well, I think the bigger thing, too, is my husband will say the same thing to me that your husband says to you. I mean, he thought when I met him, I'm broke. He's like, I'm going to get you a cell phone someday. When they were first coming, I'm going to buy you a Lexus and a big house. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I got to go to the jet singer. And he's like, what? My wife's on a private jet. So it was really hard for him. And I struggled terribly the first mm -hmm. Because JT was born right at the beginning when Chicken Soup took off. And then I got pregnant with my second son, who's now 25. And so I wasn't gone a lot. And we lived close. We intentionally moved close together. So we I wasn't driving so far. Mm -hmm. But my husband had this whole vision that mom stayed home. Right. And I had this vision that I didn't know exactly what it was that I wanted, but I knew I wanted a lot and I wanted more. And I'd always known it. My dad said, I don't think you're from the right family. Like you must be adopted, but he knew if I can't because we have the same eyes. So, you know, cats out of the bag on that one. But I had a lot of guilt. Mm. I had a lot of guilt. And, and I think, especially for women and you're trying to raise kids and you want to build a business or you have a side hustle or you have a passion. And it wasn't until, I don't know, gosh, my sons must've been like I don't know, six and nine, probably maybe a little younger, probably around that age. And I was on a plane, a private jet, and I was flying to do a book signing for my book. I think it was Christian Soul. So I don't remember what it was, but I was on a private jet and my career was going through the roof. And I thought, I am on this plane feeling terrible and feeling like I did something wrong. And I am creating this story that is not serving me. And so if my husband has a response to something, I was giving it my own meaning and I was like spinning this God awful story that didn't serve me, him or anyone else. And so in that moment, I don't know why I did it, but I said, okay, from this point forward, wherever I am, I'm going to be a hundred percent present. It's not quantity, it's quality. I don't want a 10 carat crappy diamond ring. I want a one carat, you know, perfect cut color clarity. I love it. And with my kids, if I was home all the time, I'd been screaming and yelling at them because I wasn't living my purpose or my passion. And they would have seen a mom who was settling and probably would have been very angry. Who wasn't at her highest and best. Right. Exactly. And so as fun and crazy as it was, I call it Mr. Toad's Wild Ride that whole time. There was still a lot that I had to go through to accept the fact that I was going to have it all. And I was going to have a nanny and I would be judged and I was judged in my neighborhood. And I had a tiny house and I had no privacy of any kind, but she was an amazing human and lived in. And my boys still love her to this day. She's still part of our family. Amazing. So I made some sacrifices, but sometimes we have to make sacrifices to get to that other side. So it was an interesting journey and it still is, you know, I'm still... I'm like you, I'm all over the place. And isn't one of your sons getting married? My older son is getting married and they're getting married in March. Nice. And she, I picked her. 
So she worked for me and I said, did you pick her for, she worked, she did. Oh no shit. She was my social media manager. And I said, you know, you should meet my son. And right before COVID, we were doing a women's retreat at my house for permission granted. And my son came in and I said, Hey, this is Janessa. And they met and he had not dated for a long time. And he came out that afternoon and said, you want to go down to the beach and watch the sunset? And she said, I can't do that. I'm working. Anyway, it happened. A lot of respect for her. That's cool. Yeah. She, and he said, he said, oh, don't worry. I'll take care of that. You know, I'll take care of my mom. And then she came to me about two years in and said, you know, I think JT and I are getting pretty serious. I think it's time for me to get basically a real job. And so she went out and did a ton of interviews. And she's actually at Kajabi, which is kind of funny because it's, you know, the same. Indi- I mean, there's so many people in our industry that are on Kajabi. Right. And so she is very active and doing great there and loves it. Amazing. So I'm really proud of her. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You have so much depth and the stories are, I feel like I was on that journey, like picturing you living those moments. And I mean, I wish I had Jack's reaction when you were like, I'm going to be your vice president of operations. Who said that? (laughs) He was like, okay, I mean... Literally, when he hired me, what I didn't say was when he first hired me, he didn't hire me. He hired somebody else. And then he called me back and said, I made a mistake. And I said, okay, well, it's going to cost you 30 instead of 25. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, oh, God, this guy is like so easy and nice. Like maybe 30 will turn into 300 or 3 million someday. I mean, I had no idea what we're going to do. And I totally believe it was like divinely set up. There's no way that It's like there are no mistakes, regardless of what happens. Like the fact that we didn't get a publisher, that was not a mistake. We found a little tiny publisher who turned out to be a big giant publisher. We're still friends today. I talk to him all the time. Everything I believe at this point in my life at 58, everything happens perfectly, even when it doesn't feel like it's perfect at the time. And you look like decades younger because I didn't know that. And oh my God. But the fact that you've lived all of that success And you just went on your journey with each step, the connections you've made and being able to maintain them to this day. And then even being open with that one person who you brought on as CEO. What was his name again? Russ Kamalski. Russ Kamalski, who helped with the fitness. He helped with Kathy Smith. And then his, so Kathy's attorney was our entertainment attorney. And he was like, yeah, I really don't want another job with like artist kind of people. You know, I'm kind of over it. And then he met us and he liked us. And when we were leaving after that interview with him, we were driving and he's like, what do you think? I said, I actually like him. He's like, me too. Can we hire him? <laughs> I love the Jack. Like, can we hire him? That's awesome. I know. It was funny. That's awesome. He's great. He's a great guy. Nice. What was a messy situation that Russ helped you guys get out of that you ended up having a better outcome after? Oh my gosh. (laughs) There's like a hundred of them. Let's see. So when we first started with Chicken Soup, the publisher came to us at some point to Jack and Mark and said, hey, let's trademark this and let's create Chicken Soup as sold a trademark. And we had signed a contract that said, you know, we'll stay with you forever after if you give us a certain amount of money every month. And we didn't go through the trademark thing because... Mark's wife, whose name was Patty, also said, no, 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 you guys need to own the trademark. Publishers don't own that. So it was a big, intense deal. And I think I went through three cell phone batteries when I was at a book expo. Like Russ is on one ear, the lawyer's on the other. They're going back and forth. I'm in the middle trying to navigate like the publisher, the two guys. I mean, it was like crazy. 
I mean, I someday I'm going to write a book called From Soup to Nuts and Back. It was insane. Please write that book. <laughs> and oh my gosh. Yeah, I think, I don't know if I told you, but when my son was little, I wouldn't leave him at home with the nanny because it was a long drive and my husband wouldn't let me. So I, I would nurse him on my desk and I would have him on a pillow and I'd be typing or on the phone. And the UPS man walked and I'm nursing JT and he runs out and runs out of the office and Jack because he goes, what did you do? And I said, I'm nothing. I'm just nursing. He's like, oh my God. It's like just crazy, simple things. And then I would stick my son in, you know, like a swing and turn the Lion King on and he would watch it like, this is horrible. Social services would put me away today. He'd watch it all day. And I said, if my kid is like walking around going, Akuna Matata when he's 20, I said, Jack, you're paying for half the therapy, you know? I love it. I love it. So we kind of like just made everything work, you know, and just now it's all funny. I mean, at the time it wasn't all funny, but yeah, it's, you know, it, it's just one of those things. You just have to take everything in stride. And if you want to be an entrepreneur, you've got to follow your gut. You've got to just not take no personally. It just means next. It's not the right time. I mean, I've asked people to do things and they've said no. And I've gone back. We started a coaching company, I think after we sold chicken soup and I was hounding this guy for two years and he kept saying no. And I kept flying to Utah. And finally, he's like, all right, send me this stuff. So I finally sent him all of our assets. And he called me and said, oh my God, where you, you guys have so much material. And it turned out to be like the number one coaching client for them. And we completely crashed their systems when they launched it. The guy called me, he's like, where have you been hiding this guy? I said, I told you it would work. So to this day, I still call him like, hey, it's the crazy blonde lady. And he's like, what's up, Patty? So, you know, it's just like building relationships, keeping relationships. I think that was a big thing that I learned early on because my dad was in sales and he said, you never, ever burn a bridge. Yeah, totally. And, you know, relationships are more important than anything when it comes to creating new things. So that's been a lifesaver because if you asked me to write a Facebook ad right now, I'd have to call somebody to have them do it for me. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. I mean, there's so many things that we need help with, right? What would you say would be one of the most exciting programs or a program that you host right now that you look forward to every year? Because I know that you have a super full schedule with your programs, with the programs you have with Jack. So I'm just curious, like what you most look forward to. There's two things that I really love. Well, there's like three, really. I love I'm just finishing up Permission Granted Summer Edition. So we just did like a very light, have fun summer edition. And then we're finalizing it with a retreat in Destin in September. So cool. And then I do another thing. I call it my adult marketing coloring book for people. You know, get it out on paper before you go digital because you're going to spend way more money than you should. Because I see so much stuff in the industry where people are buying too many things when they don't know who they are. They don't know what they do. They don't know what their program is. They don't know how to say it out loud. They don't know what their call to action is. They don't have a business plan. Kills me when I see that. I see them spend a ton. So I created a program around that called the Attractor Factor. Yes. And it's more like a very generic marketing. And then the last thing I've been really excited about is I've been working with my friend Scott, who I've known for years. Mm -hmm. And we have something called Engage from the Stage. And it's all about really learning how to get up and speak on stage. Amazing. It's a pretty intense program, but he's probably the person that got me to really feel comfortable in my skin. I hired him years ago. And so we've been doing that. And it's fun to watch because people are freaked out in the beginning. And then at the end, they're like, oh my God, I can do this. I don't have to memorize a script. That's so cool. And you hold that sometimes in Vegas? Yeah, I do. Nice. I do. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I get excited easily. I don't know. <laughs> well, it makes sense. You're such an innovative mind. I mean, I'd like to hang out in your brain one day. No, and then no you wouldn't. Be like, <laughs> I wouldn't. I feel like I would. I'd be like, there's so much insight in here. No. So what would you like to leave our listeners with who maybe have a book within them or a story that they don't even realize they have that they could share with their words that could positively have an effect on others? I mean, I would say, I don't know who, what's the quote? It's by Jamie Lima who says, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the calling or it's kind of like, if you have an idea, it's basically, it's coming through you. And if you're one of those people that you know you have this inspired idea, you have to take it to action. And the more you're in motion, the more it will make sense. And it will be scary. And you will feel like an imposter. And people will say to you, you're crazy. And you'll get all kinds of opinions. But at this point in my life, when I have a new idea, I don't just go share it with anybody. I share it with the people I know that are going to be like, okay, so tell me more. Or even Jack, he'll ask me a thousand questions. Now I don't get defensive. I'm like, that's a great question. I don't know that one yet, but I'll come back to you. So I have surrounded myself with people that believe in whatever I come up with. It's probably going to happen. So why fight it? And I think for anyone that's out there that's feeling like, God, I just want to be around other like-minded people, get into a mastermind group, go to trainings, you know, do things because- Honestly, the people that I hang out with today and the people I know the best, I have met through my own training. 100%. I have a joke. You have to pay me to be my friend. That's terrible. Not really true. You're allowed to say that, Patty, because I mean, permission granted, the woman who built a billion dollar brand, you know, and I admire that and support that. And here's why, because you want to be around like-minded people and you really don't have time to waste. I feel like I don't really shoot the shit with my friends so much. I want to talk about like creations, where they're headed, solutions for things. I really don't have time to like just hang out and, you know, talk about the woes of life, if that makes any sense. No, it does. So I respect that. And they will all tell you. They will say, oh, I was talking to Darlene Lethlin, my partner for girlfriends, and we were just going on and on. I mean, we had had so much fun in the last 11, 12 years since I met her when she walked in in her high heels and her little workbook I love it. to my Maui house, you know, this doing this lecture retreat. I'm like, uh, you got to take your shoes off. She's like, we're barefoot here. Yeah. <laughs> and she's Southern from, you know, from North Carolina. She's like, this is an outfit. I said, not in my house. So we joke about that. So to this day, and we've done crazy, crazy things that I will tell you off air someday, but not in this setting. Okay. And I look forward to hearing it. And I, I respect that she said this is an outfit. I love that. So, all right. That was incredible. But Patty, you're awesome. I had the best time with you. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing with our listeners your incredible insights and your journey of building a billion dollar brand and everything you've done. And I'd love to leave our listeners with this incredible quote. I'm a woman with thoughts and questions and shit to say. I say if I'm beautiful, I say if I'm strong, you will not determine my story. I will. Amy Schumer. It's a cool quote, huh? I love that. It's so true. And here's the thing. We all make up stories. Stop making up stories that don't support you and make up stories that do because either way they're made up. So make up ones that'll take you to the next level. Yes, Patty. I love that. Make up the story that you want to live. Brilliant, brilliant. 
And I'd love to recap with our incredible guest, Patty Aubrey, multiple New York Times bestselling author, over 14 books published, created the billion dollar chicken soup for the soul brand when it was just an incredible thought in their head between Jack Canefield herself and Mark Victor Hansen, building it to multiple, multiple books, creating, knowing that always having five things to do to get closer to your goal, publishing even 18 books in one year, which is an incredible feat to the power of focus and scaling your brand. And always keeping in mind, if there's something you want, if it is possible, what would it look like? So Patty, I feel like you've just blessed us with so much of your brilliance and incredible energy. Thank you so much for coming to the show. It was awesome to have you. Thanks. It was great to see you. I'm so proud of you. And I am so excited about your uber savvy business and your podcast. And I'll recommend it to everybody because I love what you're doing. And I'm so proud of you for just following your dream. Oh my God, Patty, that means the world to me. And same with me with permission granted and your incredible retreats. I adore you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Uber Savvy Life and Biz podcast. That was awesome. We appreciate you. Stay committed to your vision, take consistent action, and know that great things are on the other side of that door. Because remember, only you hold the key to unlock your dream life. So why not start today? I'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Can I just say, you're awesome. You just finished an episode of the Uber Savvy Life and Biz podcast. If you like this episode, feel free to leave a nice review and rate it five stars if you found it helpful. But if not, please don't rate it four stars. Just ignore this part. However, if you did like it, make sure you share it with a friend who may find some value in the topics discussed today. Be sure to share it with them because you never know who you could uplift. Also, if you want more, check out the show notes in the description, which would include any links that may have been mentioned in this episode. Are you still listening? Are you waiting for a blooper reel? That'd be a really fun idea to throw in the times. But seriously, are you tired of foggy mornings? Go to jadeellison.com to grab your ultimate caffeine-free boost to supercharge your mornings for success. That's right, your empowered morning mindset checklist. Y'all, great day is just a thought away. That was freaking awesome, Patty. I'm gonna stop it. Just don't leave until it says 100%. You're so funny. I'm just another normal crazy lady. Don't worry. <laughs> you're amazing. Well, you're definitely the most successful, incredible, non-crazy lady <laughs> that I know. So uh, this is what, this is how the episode's going to go. 